One of my previous companies that I worked at, the sales director, he's moved on to be MD of one of the sister companies. I'm on LinkedIn with him and he will always make time for people. He's an extremely busy guy, but whenever I reached out to him, he will always find five minutes to have a call and have a chat. And I might not have spoken to him for a while, but he will always make time for you. That's always struck me. He's going out of his way to do that. It's an extremely nice thing to do. And, and that's made me feel that's something that I should do for other people. It's taught me making time for others is extremely important. You never know when and you might need somebody or you might benefit from their experience. Hello, and welcome to the new series of Realising Your Potential. In this very special series, I have the pleasure of speaking to inspiring women about their leadership journeys. From politicians to project managers, executive coaches to presenters, these women have done some incredible things and make for fascinating conversations. We discuss the challenges they've faced, the lessons they've learned, and explore what organisations can do to drive greater gender equality. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about, sharing perspectives and ways of thinking that educate, empower, and celebrate. So join me as we dive into some great conversations with amazing people from all walks of life. I can't wait to see what we discover together. This week, I catch up with Gillian Lapsley, an experienced category manager and leader at Accolade Wines. In this episode, Gillian shares the importance of mentors, coaches, and making time for others, what helped her get through the most challenging time of her life, and why organisations need to be truly open and transparent about diversity and inclusion if they want to make real changes. It's a great conversation, so let's get into it. Gillian Lapsley, welcome to the Realising Your Potential podcast series. It's really lovely to have you join us on our Women in Leadership series. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you so much, Anne, and it's great to be here. I always ask our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, their role, and the key milestones that got you to where you are today. Sure. Well, I'm the category controller in the uh, EMEA team based in uh, Weybridge. My official accolade birthday is actually next week for my two-year time in the company. Um, I've been in FMCG for about 20-odd years, which probably shows my age. And I predominantly worked within the food sector. And the majority of the time I've worked in uh, category management, which I'm extremely passionate about. I oversee the category development opportunities for Accolade within ASDA, Morrisons and Co-op in the UK. It's very much a kind of cross-functional role. I work very closely with my sales colleagues, but also uh, trade marketing uh, and the brand teams uh, as well. So that's very much about what I do. I, I live in Harrogate in North Yorkshire. I spent about um, 20 odd years living in London and made the move, which is quite interesting to make the move in a global pandemic. But I moved up here in September 2020 and uh, yeah, very much enjoying a different pace of life and all that brings uh, living in Yorkshire. Yeah, getting out and having space is amazing. And happy Accolade birthday as well for next yes. week. What was it about Accolade? What was the attraction point for you that said, this is somewhere I want to spend a bit of time building my career? It was an interesting time to join the business, but... I could see that there was a lot of positive change coming and Norbert, who's my line manager, had rejoined Accolade and he'd been in a couple of months and Caroline was, was there as well. I just felt there was a really good vibe about the direction the company was going in and, and, and particularly within the Catherine Insight team, we were trying to build something really strong and to be part of that journey, I could see that in terms of the company, the culture, how it operates, was really appealing to me. And, and and I wouldn't, trust me, I wouldn't have stayed if, if that wasn't something that was important to me. That's great. It's good to know. Can you speak to me about some of the mentors and champions that you've had along the way and what's that taught you? 
Yeah, I mean, I've had some great managers and I still reach out to them occasionally. And previously when I might have been going for job interviews or whatever it might have been, I've spoken to them about the role or the company. And being able to do that has been really important. What it's taught me is making time for others is something that's extremely important. And you never know when you might you know, need somebody or you might benefit from their experience. It's also taught me a level of empathy. It's important in a, in a leadership role, and particularly when you manage people as well, to be able to be empathetic and talk to them and relate to them about things that are going on. It's also meant that I'm quite open to feedback. So if I've had to prepare a presentation for an interview, which I've done before and I've run it past an ex-colleague, uh, and actually they've been able to give me some feedback on it and allowed me to then improve it and you know present it and, and ultimately get the job. The one thing that has always struck me is that um, one of my previous companies that I worked at, um, the sales director. I'm on LinkedIn with him and he's moved on to be MD of one of the sister companies that I worked in. He will always make time for people. I mean, he's an extremely busy guy, but whenever I've reached out to him, he will always find five minutes to have a call and have a chat. And I might not have spoken to him for a while, but he will always make time for you. And that's always struck me. He's going out of his way to do that. I mean, it's an extremely nice thing to do. And, and that's made me feel that's something that I should do for other people. I like what you said there about you never know when you are going to need someone. Yeah. And that really, for me, demonstrates that investing in relationships as opposed to being a bit more transactional in the nature yeah. that you engage with people. So, yeah. And that has real benefits because there's a heap of research that says people who have had those real connections tend to be more resilient because they've got a network of people they can reach out to when they need support or advice or whatever. So that's great advice. What do you enjoy most about being a leader? For me, it's around seeing others flourish and actually helping people to, to progress in their careers. That's something very special and I feel very lucky to be able to do that. Also, being part of the decision making that goes on and being able to influence that as well. <clears throat> being able to work with people and actually then help them to progress in their careers is one of the things that I enjoy the most about being a leader. And then on the flip side of that, what challenges have you faced in your career and what's helped you get through? It's quite interesting and, and I probably would answer that maybe in a different way. And, and there's been a few challenges in my life that have had an impact in my career. And probably about six and a half years ago, I was made redundant from the job I was doing at the same time as my mum passed away as well. So it was quite a kind of difficult time, as you can imagine, when you've got two massive life events happening to you at the same time. So I decided that it probably was a good thing to take some time out for myself. So I actually engaged with a life coach and I have to say it's probably the best couple of hundred pounds I've ever spent in my life. She made me think about what's important to me from a work point of view. What did I want to get out of, of, of work, but also make me look at myself a little bit in terms of the key values that were important to me and actually the type of thing that I would want to do going forward. And, and the things that were less important to me. That really helped. I just started to get back on my feet. And then five years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh. So I then I then had to stop working, basically, and then had about nine months worth of treatments. So I thought, God, is there anything else that can go wrong here? But actually, um, that's made me quite a resilient in individual and made me just focus on what's important and why it is that I come to work really. It's changed who I am as an individual and have a slightly different perspective on life and how you balance that with work. It's always a constant struggle but understanding that there is more to life than work and it is about getting that balance and 
I feel quite in a good place to be able to talk about those kind of challenges of work and life at the same time. So in terms of tips, I wouldn't recommend anyone goes through any of that. But the key thing is around looking for help and, and looking at opportunities to just take stock of your life and think about what's important and where you want to go next. When you then come back into the workplace, you then have a different view on on how you want to be and how you want to be seen as an individual and where you want to go next. My dear friend Sarah Cizak, she diagnosed with a, a terrible cancer mm-hmm. and she's very similar to you and I know it's a balance for her but how she's reprioritized her life and focuses on she said you get quite granular on what does actually really matter and she was always a fairly direct person but I feel like she's probably even more direct now in terms of how mm-hmm. we're saying what she feels. I can really relate to what you said about how that really does change your life. It does and, that, and that's part of the motivation for me now living in Harrogate. It was now or never basically it's, well I wouldn't want to live my life regretting not actually seeing what it would be like to, to make the move which is why we then went ahead with the move given obviously the Covid situation that was going on at the time it felt really important to, to do that and I, and I don't regret that for this for a second and quite the opposite in fact. That's fantastic. What are some of the biggest challenges for women in leadership positions? Definitely juggling work-life balance, being able to bring your best self to work is a continual struggle, particularly for women who've got um, younger children. Uh, and, and I do think that the role of homemaker still falls to women. There's always that sense of guilt that I'm not sure that men experience. We probably should be doing something else and, and your time is more compromised, perhaps. And it shouldn't really be like that. You know, it's not just about whether or not you're a parent or whatever format that might be, whether you've got health or disability issues. There are challenges, not just for women, but for anyone in a leadership position. And I don't think that any workplaces are necessarily as forward thinking enough to actually take into account some of those things that go on um, for individuals as well. And that's a real shame because you can potentially miss out on people who could be in those those leadership roles. I was watching a programme it's actually a, a great um, program in Australia. It's a conversation piece. Kurt Fernley, who's an amazing dis- disabled athlete, speaks to other disabled athletes. And the percentage rate of people who are disabled working in employment is so low in Australia, particularly people in wheelchairs. And why aren't we more open to employing people you know, who have disabilities? So to your point, my son's now 18 and just started university. But when I had him, I remember asking my boss at the time, could I work from home one day a week? And God bless him, is lovely in many ways. He said, of course, you can work on Saturday and Sunday. That was the response to my request from working from home. And as I said, my son's 18. Yeah, that's not actually, I don't feel that long ago, but that was the response I get. So we've changed a lot. And thank goodness, in a way, COVID has brought us the ability to be more dynamic. I mean, that is one of the positive things, but there's still a way, a way to go. talked about the challenges but what are the opportunities for women in leadership perhaps sometimes the criteria over all those opportunities that come for women in leadership are not always as transparent as they should be women in leadership it brings a real balanced view to any debate or discussion and, and what i particularly like about the emea business is that half of the elt is female that gives a different tone and narrative to the business caroline leads from the front on that and and, and just because you're a leader doesn't mean that you can't be vulnerable perhaps women are more in tune with being vulnerable at times and it just gives a real richness to an organisation when you see that balance and that mix it's more of those opportunities need to be around for women definitely. I feel a real sense personally that I try and be 
as authentic as I can be. So demonstrate that I try to be my best, but not every day I'm going to be at my best, that some days it is a struggle. I do have a more independent child now, but I had a child at school. So trying to balance the whole school sport and drop off and work and meetings. And the more we can open up and say, you can be your authentic self. And actually, we all know that there's days when it's just really hard. <laughs> just getting out the door is really hard. The more we can make that normal. For me, I feel that's something yeah. I really want to do. Do you see gender stereotypes still today and, and how do you manage them? Yes, I do. I've not necessarily been on on the receiving end of it, but there's a broader discussion that needs to happen. Diversity in the workplace overall, sexuality, race, religion, and that whole kind of how we approach that and have a more diverse culture. I'm, I'm very proud to say that I'm a gay woman in, in leadership, which also is, is quite a thing for me to actually say. I don't think I've ever said that um, uh, openly. Obviously, everyone I work with know that, but I've talked about my wife from the day I walked in the door at Accolade and no one's ever batted an eyelid. And 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 that, for me, is, is, is it again, shows you the, the, the journey that we've been on as how we view these topics and, and people might have perceived as an issue maybe 20-odd years ago. We've really moved on. There is still an issue around some of those things. People do make judgments without necessarily realising that they are. In, in terms of how would I manage it, well, yeah, I'd like to think that I would call people out if they're making an inappropriate comment or whatever it would be that I would say I don't really think that's necessarily the, the, the right thing to be saying. That's probably what I would say would be the key thing. I do remember being in a meeting actually about two years ago and th there was a new marketing campaign somebody made a comment about it being a bird's brand that person was called out very publicly in the meeting and, and it, it was just inappropriate for that person to even think that was okay to, to, to say that it was definitely the, the right thing to have happened and probably more of that needs to go on because ultimately you need to be able to change those behaviors and, and for people to realize that that kind of language isn't acceptable you're right do you think there's still taboo subjects surrounding women in leadership or issues women face in the workplace? And why do you think we struggle to talk about them? I'm not sure whether it's necessarily a, a taboo subject. You perhaps always feel because you're juggling so much maybe in your personal life that you always feel that you have to work harder to succeed. And you just carry on with it, depending on, on the type of organisation that you're in. I'm not sure whether sometimes you feel you can talk about it and say, actually, I'm, I'm struggling a bit here. Can we can we maybe look at kind of shifting the hours to be a bit more flexible to fit in with, to your point earlier on about school drop off or pick up or whatever? Particularly the higher up you're in an organisation, people expect that somebody else would be doing all that stuff for you. And actually, that doesn't really happen. The one thing about being in the situation that we've been in for the last two years is that actually being able to build that network and those relationships with people when obviously you don't see them in the office and don't see them for months on end that's become more difficult and not just for women and last week in the office some colleagues I've not seen for over two years I mean it's mad but you know that's the kind of the, the situation we're in. May I ask did you find it harder earlier on in your career to talk about your sexuality and the reason I asked that question, Gillian, is that earlier on in my career, I struggled to fall pregnant. I had three years on IVF. And at the time I was working in a consultancy and one of my clients was the Catholic Church. And I'm not religious at all. Oh, I don't follow a religion, I suppose, if that's the right word. I remember feeling very uncomfortable about disclosing one to my current employer that I was trying to get pregnant um, because I thought that might impact my career and my yeah. potential. And then secondly, that I was actually undergoing a process which for me was the only way I was going to fall pregnant but had a very significant 
client who was paying a lot of money who was actually against IVF. Actually, I was proved wrong, <laughs> to be fair. And it's a side conversation. I actually was at their offices and I, I unfortunately had, had a miscarriage and I had to leave the office to go to hospital. And I had to tell the director and I disclosed to him what I was going through and the level of support they gave me was phenomenal. But I sort of, I suppose, in a way had this self-imposed kind of fear. So I just wondered if you felt that that similar way, because as I've got to where I am now in my career, I feel I have a one, an obligation, but to a better sense of security around who I am and my position to be able to be a bit more open. But I'm not sure at age 30, 31, when I was building a career. So I just wondered if you related to that or... Um, well, or, or not say not off. You may be a lot more confident well, than I was. <laughs> well, I guess my my situation was perhaps slightly different in that I, I was in a heterosexual relationship and I, I was living with my boyfriend, and all of a sudden I wasn't, and then I was following a different path, shall we say? I guess that probably would have been a bit odd for my colleagues because they would have known and, and they they'd met the person that I was with, and all of a sudden that that kind of that changed, and that was that was a little bit difficult to, to deal with, I, I suppose probably for them as as much as it was for me. I felt really uncomfortable about being authentic and being your true self. You can't. That's part of you. You can't change that. That there's many things that you know you can hide if you want to your sexuality but there's many things people who um, are of color or from a different a particular re re religious background are not in a position to do so but I've chosen to be open about it and when I joined Accolades I've been able to openly talk about my wife from the get-go I used to feel slightly more apprehensive about it now I'm not at all and it's so refreshing and seeing some of the diversity and inclusion webinars or work that goes on in grocery aid in the UK it's, it's so unbelievable to see some of the things that, that organizations are doing to to really be open to everything in the workplace and and that for me just shows you how far that we've come because it's a very different place when i started working you never saw women in leadership roles at all you know in, in the years that i've been working that's completely changed and that's a real positive uh, definitely to see that now is, is and, and see that progression is, is fantastic what advice could you provide others on how to best support women in the workplace or anyone who's from a diverse background? What would be advice that you would give? It's listening. It's not just about hearing the words. It's actually listening to, to what people are telling you. It's about showing that level of empathy and, and flexibility and actually trying to put yourself into someone else's shoes, particularly for women, that there does need to be forums where women can talk about issues and to your point around trying to have a family I mean I'm sure there's plenty of, of people within the organisation who are going through the same thing it's really strange you spend so much of your life working and interacting with people that you probably spend more time with your colleagues than you do with your family yet you can't feel that you can talk about some of these things and obviously we're here to do a job but giving people the opportunity to do so it is very much about listening to really what they're saying as opposed to the words that they might be speaking From talking to you too one of the things that I hear as well is that be your authentic self it's really hard to be someone else be your authentic self yeah I think so it's just far too exhausting and tiring to try and pretend to be somebody else in the workplace but why would you expend all that energy trying to do that it's you need enough you need your energy as much as anything to do your job let alone trying to be somebody else being your authentic self is key enables you to build relationships with people in a work environment people respect the fact that you are who you are clearly as long as you go about things in the right way and you treat people fairly and so on 
that you get the best out of other people when they can see that you are yourself. Yes, exactly. If we change one thing, what would make the biggest difference to gender equality in leadership? It's about transparency of, of the any rules and what is the decision-making criteria that is for those rules. I really don't think that, that gender should ever come into a decision over whether somebody gets the role or not. And it ultimately has to become, come down to who's the best fit and has the right skills. And it shouldn't be about gender. But that transparency is key. I'm sure it, it, things are so much better, but women perhaps still feel that there isn't an equality in that decision making that goes on. And I really think that actually if women felt that the process was more transparent, you might then perhaps get more people putting themselves forward for some roles in the future for sure. Yeah. And for me, that really plays into also having a, a feedback rich environment. And even if you're not successful for the opportunity, you get really great feedback as to the why around your capability as opposed to, yeah, not really under say like you weren't culturally the right fit or the, some of the lines that I we, we can sometimes rely yeah. on. What can organisations do to drive and support this change authentically? Being open about gender and diversity sp splits that they have within an organisation and say that they're actively seeking to to redress the balance between the two and knowing that's an area of, of focus. Uh, if you're open about that and buying into it, then that will hopefully be more authentic in terms of the change that we're, we're striving to. In particular, in, in the wine industry, Whilst gender is pretty reasonable in terms of the mix, I would question in terms of the broader diversity and particularly around ethnicity. There's probably quite a lot of work that needs to be done um, to appeal to a broader um, set of people that we're trying to encourage into, into the sector. What advice would you give to your younger self? Not to take yourself too seriously. When I was probably younger, I was deemed to be quite a serious person and and I perhaps blame that on my Presbyterian work ethic um, that I was brought up with, but also not to be afraid to ask for help. And for me, that the, the kind of dial definitely shifted on that and, and asking for help was definitely not a sign of weakness. It's actually quite the opposite. And on occasion, remember to have some fun along the way as well. I reflect on these questions. For me, it would be also, you know, don't worry so much. If you think about all of the things you worried about last year, then years before, how many of them actually happened? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then my question off script, and it's not a hard one, what is your favourite wine? Oh, you see. Accolade portfolio. Oh. Sorry, I hit you with that one. No preparation for that one. You've got to think on the spot. That's, a, that's probably the hardest question that you've asked me. Yeah, I leave it to the end. Yeah, I warm you up and then I hit you with the hardest question right at the end. That's a really tough one. I really enjoy the, the Grant Burge Eden Valley Riesling. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's been a real eye opener to me because having done the WSET course last year, I wasn't really that into Riesling. And that's that I'm staggered at how good that is. So I might be on level pegging with that and the Flagstone the Dark Horse Shiraz. Or, and I like both red and white. So it, it's very difficult for me to single out one particular, but that would be that would be the one. You're allowed to red and white. Yeah, good, some, some good things. And I don't know if you've had the Petaluma Hanlon Hill Riesling, but if you like the Grand Burge, try the Hanlon Hill because that also is really good. I shall take that, that tip on board and get myself from cellar one and uh, <laughs> get some.
Perfect, Gillian. Thank you so much. It's been really lovely to chat to you, you, to meet you, to yeah, hear you, a little you bit more about you. And I really do appreciate your time and participation. So thanks so much. It was such a pleasure meeting Gillian. We covered so much in such a short space of time. I think the one thing I'm taking away is the importance of making time for others because you never know when you might need somebody or benefit from their experience. It's not the quantity but the quality of our relationships that really matter. But I'd love to know what did you take away. You can respond by leaving a review or if you're listening on Spotify you can answer via the Q&A section in the app. If you found this conversation to be as helpful and inspiring as I did please remember to share it with friends and colleagues. You just never know who else it might positively impact. Next week, I'll be speaking with Christina Rapetti, a senior project manager at Accolade Wines, who shares some powerful moments that have shaped her into the person she is today. It's definitely one not to be missed. As always, links and resources can be found in the show notes. Until then, thanks for listening and take care. (music) 